Part three of Portrait of a Man with Red Hair by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part three, Sea Fog, Section two. They are funny conservative people, these Cornishmen. Whatever they may pretend, they've no use for foreigners, and especially foreigners like Crispin. They stood a moment listening to the sea. The tide's going out, said Dunbar. I was a little anxious lest I'd pull the boat up high enough this afternoon, and then, of course, someone might have come along and taken a fancy to it. However, I was pretty safe. No one ever comes down into this cove, but we've taken a lot of chances tonight, and everything's come off. The Lord's on our side, as he well may be, considering the kind of characters the Crispins have. He looked at Harkness. Hello, you're shivering. Are you cold? No, said Harkness. I suddenly got the creeps, someone walking over my grave, I suppose. I feel as though Crispin had followed us and was listening to every word we were saying. I could swear I could see his horrid red head poking over that rock now. However, to tell you the exact truth, Dunbar, I didn't care over much for coming down that bit of rock just now. I'm not much at heights what that path cried dunbar that's nothing however there's no need for both of us to go back you can stay by the boat but a sudden determination flamed up in harkness that it should be he and none other that should fetch hester crispin no i'll go there's no need for you to come though we'll be back here in ten minutes i'll see that she gets down all right Oh, very well said dunbar but look after her she's not so good a climber as she thinks she is so harkness started off he waved his hand to dunbar who was now busied with the boat and began his climb he stumbled over the wet rocks nearly fell once or twice and then came to the little path his thought now was all of hester he played with his imagination picturing to himself that he was going right out of the world to some unknown heights where she awaited him having chosen him out of all the world and there they would live together alone happy always in one another's company what a fool he was when she was married and even if she freed herself from that horrid encumbrance had that boy down there in the cove waiting for her but he could not help his own state it did no harm he told no one it was so new for him this rich thrilling tingle of emotion at the thought of some other human being something so different from his love for his sisters and his admiration for his friends and to-night from first to last there had been all the time this same tingling of experience from his first getting into the train until now he had seemed to be in direct contact with life contact with all the wrappers off with nothing in between him and it that he must never lose again after this night he must never slip back to that old half-life with its dilettante pleasures its mild disappointments its vague sense of exile he could not have hester for himself but at least he could live the full life that she and her country had shown to him ours is a great wild country never back to the level plains again 
full of these fine brave exulting thoughts he had climbed a very considerable way when suddenly the path was gone there was no path no rocks no hillside no cove no sea no stars nothing he was standing on air the fog in one second had crept upon him not the thin glassy mist of twenty minutes ago but a thick dense blinding fog that hemmed in like walls of wadding on every side in the sudden panic his legs gave way and he fell on to his knees and hands clutching both sides of the narrow path staring desperately before him he heard the lidden bell as it seemed quite close to his side ringing down upon him Four his first thought was of hester then of dunbar here they were all three of them separated the fog might last for hours he called dunbar 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 the bell echoed him mocking him dunbar 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 very cautiously he climbed upon his feet steadying himself the wind seemed completely to have died and the sea sent up now only a faint rustle like the mysterious movement of some hidden woman's dress but the fog was so thick that it seemed to embrace harkness ever more tightly and it was cold with a bitter piercing chill harkness called again dunbar dunbar listened and then as there was no kind of answer began to move slowly forward once many years before when a small boy at his private school there had been an hour that every week he had feared beforehand with a panic dread this had been the time of the fire escape practice when the boys from some second floor window were pushed down feet foremost into a long canvas funnel through which they slipped safely to the ground the passing through this funnel was only a moment's duration but that moment to harkness had been terrible in its nightmare stifling sense pressing blinding confinement something of that he felt now he seemed to be compelled to push against blankets of cold damp obstruction the fog assumed a personality and it was a personality strangely connected in harkness's confused brain with that little red-headed man who seemed now always to be pursuing him he was somewhere there in the fog it was part of his game that he was playing with harkness and he could hear that sweet melodious voice whispering pain you know a pain that's the thing to teach you what life really means you'll be thankful to me before i'm done with you you shouldn't have interfered with my plans you know i warned you not to he tried to drive down his fancies and to control his body that was his trouble that every limb every nerve every muscle seemed to be asserting its own independent life his legs now they belonged to him but never would you have supposed it his arms tugged away from him as though striving to be free he was not trained for this kind of thing a cultured american gentleman with two sisters who read papers to women's clubs in oregon he beat down his imagination he had been crawling on his hands and his knees and now he put out one hand and touched space his heart gave a sickening bound and lay still which way went the path to right or to left 
he tried to throw his memory back and recapture the shape of it there had been a sharp curve somewhere as it bent out towards the sea but he did not know how far now he had gone he strained with his eyes but could see nothing but the wall of grey should he wait there until the fog cleared or dunbar came to him but the fog might be there for hours and dunbar might never come no he must not wait the thought of hester alone in the fog fearing every moment recapture by the crispins filled with every terror that her loneliness could breed in her spurred him on he must reach her whatever the risk stretching his arm at full length he touched the path again but there was an interval had there been any break in the path when he came down it he could not remember any he felt backwards with his hand and found the curve crept forward then his foot slipped and his leg slid over the edge he waited to stop the hammering of his heart then balancing himself pulled it back then forward again lucky for him that there was no wind but again not lucky because had there been wind the fog might have been blown out of its course as it was with every instant it seemed to grow thicker and thicker then he grew calmer he must soon now be reaching the top and happiness came to him when he thought that for a time at least he would be hester's only protection on him until dunbar reached them she would have absolutely to rely she would be cold and he must shelter her and at the thought of her proximity to him he with his arm around her wrapping her with his coat holding perhaps her hand in his he was himself suddenly warm and his body pulled together and was taut and strong he fancied that he might walk now very carefully he pulled himself up stood on his feet stepped forward and fell five he screamed and as he did so the fogs seemed to put its clammy hand against his mouth filling it with boneless fingers this was the end this death all space was about him and a roar of air sweeping up to meet him then dimly there came to his brain the message thrown to him like a lifeline that he was not falling in space but was slipping down a slope he lurched out with his hands caught some thick tufts of grass and held his legs slid forward and then dangled with all his forces and the muscles of his arms were but weak he pulled himself upward and then held himself there his legs hanging over space while the tufts held and so long as his arms had the strength he could stay how long might that be sickness attacked him a kind of sea-sickness tears were in his eyes and an intense self-pity seized him what a shame that such an end should come to a man who had meant no harm to any one whose life had not such possibilities he thought of his sisters how they would miss him he had been tiresome sometimes and been restless at home and pulled them up sharply when they said things that he thought stupid but now only his good points would be remembered he had been kind to them he had a warm heart 
he and here his brain working it seemed through his aching straining arms began suddenly to whirl like a top flinging in front of his eyes a succession of the most absurd pictures days in spring woods gathering flowers his mother and father laughing at something childish that he had said a bar of music from some musical comedy erda appearing before wotan and siegfried a night when he had come to a dinner party and had forgotten to wear a dress tie the moment when once before an operation he had been wheeled into the operating theatre the day when he had plucked up his courage and decided that he could buy the whistler little mast the grave anxious kindly eyes of strang as he leant across the etching table a morning when he had run for an omnibus up shaftesbury avenue and missed it and the conductor had laughed that hour with meredith at the club lights scents the cold fog drowning his mouth his nose his eyes then chill space a roaring wind and silence how strange after that and hours afterwards it seemed although it must have been seconds to find that he was still living that his arms were aching as though they were one extended toothache and that he was still holding to those tufts of grass he had a kind of marvel at his endurance and now suddenly a wonder as to why he was doing this was it worth while how stupid this energy how much better to let himself go and to sleep to sleep how delicious to sleep and to be rid of the ache the cold the clammy fog with that one of the grass tufts to which he was clinging lurched slightly and his whole soul was active in its energy to preserve that life that but now he had thought to throw away with a struggle to which he would have supposed he could not have risen he drew his body up against the slope so that the earth to which he was clinging might the better restrain his weight then resting there his fingers digging deep into the soil of the cliff his head pressed against the rock he uttered a prayer oh lord help me now i have a life that has been of little use to the world but i have in this very day seen better the uses to which i may put it help me from this give me strength to live and i will try to leave my idleness and my selfishness and meanness and be a worthier man o oh lord i know not whether thou dost exist or no but if thou art near me help me at least now to bear my death worthily if it must be that and to live my life to some real purpose if i am to have it back again amen then he repeated the lord's prayer after that he seemed to be quieted a great comfort came to him so that he no longer had any anxiety his heart beat tranquilly and he only rested there passive for the issue if death comes he thought to himself i believe that it will be very swift i shall feel no more than i felt just now when i first tumbled i shall not have so much pain as with a toothache i am leaving no one in the whole world whose existence will be empty because i've gone 
hester after to-night i shall never in any case see again and i am fortunate because before i die i have been able to feel the reality of life what love is and caring for others more than myself he was quite tranquil the tuft of grass tugged again his legs were numb and he had the curious fancy that one of his boots had slipped off and that one foot as light as a feather was blowing loosely in the air then it seemed to him and now it was as though he were half asleep working in a dream that some one was very gently pushing him upwards at least he was rising his hands one by one left their tufts of grass and caught higher refuge first a projecting rock then a thick hummock of soil then a bunch of sea-pinks in another while his heart now beating again with a new excited anticipation his head lurched forward on the earth into space with a last frantic urge he pulled all his body together and lay huddled on the path safe once more he had now a new trouble because his body refused to move he had no body nothing that he could count upon for action he tried to find his connection with it endeavoured to rest upon his knees but it was as though he had been all dissipated into the fog and was turned himself now into mist and vapour then this passed and once more he crawled forward he turned a corner and met again the lidden bell it was strange how deeply this voice reassured him he had been all alone in a world utterly dead he had not had like hardy's hero the sight of the crustacean to connect him with eternal life but this sudden melancholy lowing sound like a creature deserted crying for its mate brought him once more into reality the bell was insistent and very loud it swung through the fog up to him ringing in his ear then fading away again into distance he spoke aloud as men do when they are in desperate straits well old bell he cried i'm not beaten yet you see they've done what they can to finish me but i'm back again you don't get rid of me so easily as all that you know you can come and look if you like here i am company for you after all there was a little breeze blowing now in his eyes and this cheered him if only the wind rose the fog would move and all might yet be well his clothes were torn his hands bleeding his hat gone he crawled into a sitting position shook his fist in the air and cried you old devil you're there are you it's your game all this you're seeing whether you can finish me but i'll be even with you yet and it did indeed seem to him that he could see through the mist that red head sticking out like a furze bush on fire the hair the damp pale face the melancholy eyes and then the voice it's only a theory of course mr harkness my father who was a most remarkable man the thought of crispin enraged him and the rage drove him on to his feet he was standing up and moving forward quite briskly. 
he moved like a blind man his hands before him as though he were expecting at every moment to strike some hard sharp substance but whereas before the fog had seemed to envelop him strangling him penetrating into his very heart and vitals now it retreated from before him like a moving wall the incline was now less sharp and now less sharp again little pebbles rolled from beneath his feet and he could hear them fall over down into distant space but he had no longer any fear he was on level ground he knew that the down was spreading about him he called out hester hester not realizing that this was the first time he had spoken her name he called it again hester hester and again and again always moving as he fancied forward then as though it had been hurled at him out of some gigantic distance the rugged wall of the cottage pierced the sky he saw it then herself patiently seated beneath it in another moment he was kneeling beside her both her hands in his his voice murmuring unintelligible words six she was so happy to see him his face was close to hers and for the first time he could really see her her large grave questioning eyes her child's face half developed nothing very beautiful in her features but to him something inexpressibly lovely for which all his life he had been waiting she was damp with the fog and the first thing he did was to take off his coat and try to put it around her but she stood up resisting him oh no i'm not cold i'm not really and do you think i'll let you why you what have you done your hands are all torn and your face she was very close to him she put up her hand and touched his face it seemed to muster everything that he had in him not to put his arms around her he conquered himself oh that's nothing he said i had some trouble climbing up from the cliff i was just halfway up when the fog came on it wasn't much of a path in any case she stood with her hand upon his arm oh what shall we do we shall never find the boat now the fog will clear and we will be caught we can't move from here while it lasts no he said firmly we can't move this is the place where dunbar will expect us he'll turn up here at any moment meanwhile we must just wait for him is the pony all right i don't know what i'd have done without the pony she said when the fog came up i was terrified i didn't know what i'd better do i called your names but of course you didn't hear and then it got colder and colder and i kept thinking that i was seeing them his red hair she suddenly shivering put her hand on his arm oh don't let them find us she said i couldn't go back to that i would rather kill myself i would kill myself if i went back what they are oh you don't know he took her hand and held it firmly now see here we don't know how long dunbar will be or how long the fog will last or anything we can't do anything but stay here and it's no good if we stay here and think of all the terrible things that may happen the fog can't last forever dunbar may come any minute 
what we have to do is to sit down on this stone here and imagine we are sitting in front of our fire at home talking like old friends about well i anything you like whatever old friends do talk about can your imagine help you that far he saw that she was at the very edge of her nerves a step further and she would topple over into wild hysteria he knew enough already about her character to be sure that nothing would cause her such self-scorn and regret as that loss of self-control he was not very sure of his own control everything had piled up upon him pretty heavily during the last hour but she was such a child that he had an immense sense of responsibility as though he had been fifteen years older at least i haven't very much imagination she said in a voice hovering between laughter and tears father always used to tell me that that was my chief lack and we are old friends as we said a while ago even though we've just met that's right he said now we will have to sit rather close together there's only one stone and the grass is most awfully wet every three minutes or so i'll get up and shout dunbar's name in case he is wandering about quite close to us he stood up and putting his hands to his mouth shouted with all his might dunbar 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 he waited there was no answer only the fog seemed to grow closer he turned to her and said don't you think the fog's clearing a little she shook her head there was still a little quaver in her voice i'm afraid not you're saying that to cheer me up you needn't i'm not frightened think how lucky i am to have you with me you mightn't have come back you might have missed your way for hours when he thought of how nearly he had missed his way forever and ever he trembled he mustn't let his thoughts wander in those paths he was here to make her feel happy and safe until dunbar came they sat down on the stone together and he put his arm around her to hold her there and keep her warm now what shall we talk about she asked him ourselves he answered her we have a splendid opportunity here we are cut off by the fog away from everyone in the world we know nothing about one another or almost nothing we can scarcely see one another's faces it is a wonderful opportunity well you tell me about yourself first ah there's the trouble i'm so terribly dull i've never been or thought or said anything interesting i'm like thousands and thousands of people in this world who are simply shadows to everybody else remember we're to tell the truth she said no one ever honestly thinks that about themselves that they are just shadows of somebody else everyone has their own secret importance for themselves at least everyone in our village had people you would have supposed had nothing in them yet if you talked to them you soon saw that they fancied that the world would end if they weren't in it to make it go round well honestly that isn't my opinion of myself harkness answered i don't think that i help the world to go round at all of course i think that there have to be all the ordinary people in it like myself to appreciate all the doings and sayings of the others the geniuses to make the audience you know but i'm not even a very good audience there are so many things i don't care for what do you care for 
oh different things at different times not permanently for much pictures especially etchings music travel but never very deeply or urgently except for the etchings until to-night he suddenly added lowering his voice until to-night yes ever since i left paddington let me see how many hours ago it's now about two o'clock i suppose he looked at his watch ten minutes to two nearly nine hours ever since nine hours ago i felt a new kind of energy a new spirit the thrill the excitement that all my life i've wanted to have but that never came until now being really in life instead of just watching it like a spectator she put her hand on his i am so glad you're here do you know i used to boast that i never could be frightened by anything but these last weeks all my courage has gone oh why has this fog come we were getting on so well everything was all right and now i know they'll find us i know they'll find us i'm sure he's just behind there somewhere hiding in the fog listening to us and perhaps david is killed oh, i can't bear it i can't bear it she suddenly clung to him hiding her face in his cloak he soothed her just as he would his own child as though she had been his child all her life hester hester you mustn't you mustn't break down think how brave you've been all this time the fog can clear in a moment and then we'll still have time to catch the train anyway the fog's a protection if crispin were after us he'd never find us in this don't cry hester don't be unhappy let's just go on talking as though we were at home you're quite safe here no one can touch you yes i i'm safe she whispered so long as you're here his heart leapt up he forced himself to speak very quietly now i'll tell you about myself it will be soon over i grew up in a place called baker in oregon in the united states it is a long way from anywhere but all the big trains go through it on the way out to the pacific coast i grew up there with my two sisters and my father i lost my mother when i was very young we had a funny ramshackle old house under the mountains full of books we had very long winters and very hot summers i went to a place called andover to school then my father died and left me some money and since then oh since then i dare not tell you what a waste i've made of my life never settling anywhere longing for europe and the old beautiful things when i was in america and longing for the energy and vitality of america when i was in europe that's what it is to be really cosmopolitan to have no home anywhere the only intimate friends i have are the etchings and i sometimes think that they also despise me for the idle life i lead he could see that she was interested she was quietly sitting her head against his shoulder her hand in his just as a little girl might listen to her elder brother and that's all she asked yes absolutely all i'm ashamed to let you look at so miserable a picture i have been like so many people in the world especially since the war 
modern cleverness has taken one's belief away modern stupidity has deprived one of the possibility of hero worship no god no heroes any more only one's disappointing self what is left to make life worth while so you think while you are on the bank watching the stream of life pass by it is different if some one or something pushes you in then you must fight for existence for your own or better still for someone else they who care for something or someone more than themselves some cause some idea some prophecy some beauty some person they are the happy ones he laughed here i am sitting in the middle of this fog a useless selfish creature who has suddenly discovered the meaning of life congratulate me he felt that she was looking up at him he looked down at her their eyes stared at one another his heart beat riotously and behind the beating there was a strange pain a poignant longing a deep deep tenderness i don't understand everything you say she replied at last except that i am sure you are doing an injustice to yourself when you give such an account but what you say about unselfishness i don't agree with how is one unselfish if one is doing things for people one loves i wasn't unselfish because i worked for the boys i had to they needed it oh, tell me about your home he said she sighed then drew herself a little way away from him as though she were suddenly determined to be independent to owe no man anything mother died when i was very young she said i only remember her as someone who was always tired but very very kind but she liked the boys better i remember i used to be silly and feel hurt because she liked them better but the day before she died she told me to look after them and i was so proud and promised and i have tried were they younger than you yes one was three years younger and the other five i think they cared for me but never as much as i did for them she stopped as though she were listening the fog was now terribly thick and was in their eyes their nostrils their mouths they could see nothing at all and when he jumped to his feet and called again dunbar 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 he knew that he vanished from her sight he could feel from the way that she caught his hand and held it when he sat down again how for a moment she had lost him it's always that way isn't it she went on and he could tell from an undertone in her voice that this talking was an immense relief to her she had he supposed not talked to any one for weeks always what way he asked that if you love someone very much they don't love you so much and then the same the other way well, very often he agreed i'm sure that's what i did wrong at home showed them that i cared for them too much the boys were very good but they were boys you know and took everything for granted as men do she said this with a very old world-wise air they were dear boys they were and are but it was better before they went to school when they needed me always afterwards when they had been to school they despised girls and thought it silly to let girls do things for them 
and then they didn't like being at home because father drank she dropped her voice here and came very close to him do you know what it is to hate and love the same person i was like that with father when he had drunk too much and broke all the things when we had so few anyway and hit the boys and did things oh dreadful things that men do when they're drunk then i hated him i didn't love him i didn't want to help him i just wanted to get away and before before he drank so much he was so good and so sweet and so clever do you know that my father was one of the cleverest doctors in the whole of england he was if he hadn't drunk he might have been anywhere and done anything but sometimes when he was drunk and the boys were away at school and the house was in such a mess and the servant wouldn't stay because of father i felt i couldn't go on i couldn't and that i'd run down the road leaving everything as it was into the town and hide so that they'd never find me and now she suddenly broke out i have run away and see what i've made of it it isn't over yet he said to her quietly life's just beginning for you well anyway she answered with a sudden resolute calm that made her seem ever so much older and more mature i've helped the boys to start in life and i won't have to go back to all that again that's something it's fine to love someone and work for them as you said just now but if it's always dirty and there's never enough money and the servants are always in a bad temper and you never have enough clothes and all the people in the village laugh at you because your father drinks then you want to stop loving for a while and to escape anywhere anywhere to anybody where it isn't dirty love isn't enough no it isn't and if you're so tired with work that you haven't any energy to think whether you love or not she hesitated there looking away from him and said so softly that he with difficulty caught her words i will tell you one thing that you won't believe but it's true i wanted to go to crispin he turned to look at her in amazement you wanted to go yes i know you thought that i went for the boys and father i know that david thinks that too of course that was true a little he promised me that they should have everything it was a relief to me that i needn't think of them any more but it wasn't only that i wanted to go i wanted to be free to be free harkness cried my god what freedom i can understand your wanting to escape but with such men end of part three section two